Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Mike Kaplan to the show. Mike Kaplan currently leads Angie's Insights Marketing Organization, responsible for adoption and awareness of the company's leading sustainable resource management to multi-site business customers. In addition to nearly 20 years of business-to-business marketing and strategy experience, Mike has extensive knowledge of the intersection of data analytics and commercial energy efficiency. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Raj. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on with you and your listeners. Mike, I'm excited to have you on the show too. Where in the world are you? I am in Needham, Massachusetts, in my home, of course, like many other people, right outside of Boston. And how's the weather up there? It is uh, pretty mild. So we've had some warm spells, had some cooler spells, uh, but I think summer is, is coming soon. So excited about that. I'm a little envious. I think here today in Dallas, it's going to be 95 degrees. So I think we're rushing into summer. We are, we are not quite there yet. Probably a few weeks behind you. <laughs> well, Mike, I like to start my show by asking my guests the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, I think in the, uh, in the, in the context of uh, professionally speaking, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I got into the um, energy and sustainability world, I don't want to say by accident, but I was, the uh, first part of my career was really focused on the technology space. Um, and I, I joined a startup that was focused on energy data analytics. Um, and so I was very interested in disruptive technologies, but then started learning about the energy and sustainability space and uh, grew a passion for it in that way. So I'm always interested to hear about you know different people and how they came into the sector because uh, I think it helps uh, inform our opinions and new ways of thinking about this uh, massive so it sounds like it was serendipity, which is one of my favorite words. I guess so, yes. So, you know, you mentioned data and analytics. Can you share a little bit about your current organization? Sure. So I am the chief marketing officer of NG Impact. Uh, so NG Impact is the sustainability consulting and services arm of NG, which is actually the largest company in the world focused on uh, the low carbon energy transition and, and related services. And so NG Impact um, on its own has about 2,000 people across 20 offices around the world. And we work with corporations, cities, public sector, and, and uh, clients managing around a million sites um, in terms of their energy, water, waste. So Anything that has to do with accelerating sustainability transformation uh, at speed and scale, 
with very large corporations, dispersed corporations on, on complex problems is really kind of our sweet spot. That's fascinating. Can you share some of the projects that you're working on? Sure. So, um, you know, we work, for example, with clients like FedEx, Whole Foods, Hyatt Hotels, and anybody with large distributed portfolios, which, you know, whether you're just in the U.S. alone, all the different regulations, um, uh, state by state to around the world and the complexities of managing your energy, water, waste, uh, carbon goals. So typical types of engagements are one, starting from a strategic standpoint, you know, we really uh, are increasingly working at the highest levels of these organizations to think about what should your sustainability um, roadmap be um, and how do you make that very uh, bankable, as we'd call it, so you know, really um, have that level of detail to make sure that it's investable. And a lot of that starts with the data, right? So taking in all of the current performance data and analyzing that data across all those resources. And, and that's what generates you know, your recommendations. And then how do you execute? So one, implement those projects. And sometimes we will work with, um, when it makes sense, our sister organizations across NG and that, that global reach, but then also supporting them in terms of understanding um, their energy supply are from the starting point of, are they on the right rates and contracts based on their uh, energy usage to increasingly helping them procure green power. And then finally, how do you track and report on all of that? So our clients are increasingly looking to report to, um, for their stakeholders to things like CDP. And so we will assist them in that process as well. So it sounds like you have access to a lot of data. What are some of the trends you're seeing in the data? Well, right now, I mean, the biggest thing that we are trying to understand for our, our, a lot of our clients is um, the impact of COVID. There's a, a really interesting just debate that I think the industry needs to understand around we are shifting and potentially permanently shifting for some companies to more remote work models. And so what does that mean for our footprint? Obviously, we are reducing, uh, not using very much energy in our offices and, and other, uh, our retail stores right now, but what does that mean uh, in terms of that, that energy and uh, carbon footprint being uh, displaced elsewhere? Those are, those are some of the questions that we're, we're trying to understand, I think, in real time for a lot of our clients. Uh, you know, more broadly, we there's even be ahead of this, there's clients uh, that run the spectrum of their their energy and sustainability management journey. So from the very tactical clients who are just starting, you know, many most companies have been doing project for years, but um, some of the earlier stage in terms of their journey are just picking off kind of the low-hanging fruit of energy efficiency and then moving towards that spectrum to more active management of their energy, um, moving and thinking beyond factors just such as cost to um, that carbon footprint in a more sophisticated And what are some of the challenges you're seeing around this transition, you know, from a company that perhaps had, let's say, you know, a few hundred, if not a few thousand employees at their locations and now they're working from home? 
one tracking and understanding uh, how that is uh, how that footprint has changed and then I think you know different sites have um, different ways across a portfolio that 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 they can or can't respond like what I, what I mean by that is um, some sites have um, well um, deeper solutions around controls and whatnot so they can very flexibly manage that load but other sites don't and so you know, when companies, for starters, don't necessarily even know which sites have those controls versus not, um, you know, that can make things challenging. Uh, and then as we start to think about moving back to work, uh, a lot of our clients are asking, well, I'm going to need to um, put in health and safety measures. And so that could have impacts on things like, you know, the amount of airflow that uh, a building needs. And so what is the impact therefore on energy? So a lot of complexity in those systems and needing to balance health, safety, uh, first and foremost. But then how do you optimize um, to get uh, um, minimize the environmental impact in the long term? You know, that really is an interesting thought as you try to unwind this you know, ball of wool, if you will, how workspaces will have to change and what's the new accounting for the energy and also how do you account for the energy that your employees are now using at home and not traveling? It sounds very, very complicated. How do you even begin to like parse some of this data? Well, I think first and foremost, just understanding with with our clients what they are trying to uh, to accomplish, what what problem are they looking to solve? And, you know, the challenge in our industry, like many industries, is that the data is all over the place. I think we are fortunate in that we have a very large one part of our business uh, where we are taking in that data from, uh, for example, utility bills every month um, and helping with the expense and the accuracy of that data. So having that very solid foundation of accurate data um, is important. So that's one fortunate thing in terms of our, the historical services we provide for our clients that we're, we're in a good position to have that good starting point. And then, you know, you start to look at things like what other types of data do you need to collect, be it directly about that usage and how granularly. So things like IoT and sensor data, um, if you need more granular for more granular applications and then bringing in the uh, other operational asset data that you might need to normalize against to really understand how one site is truly performing against another. So, Mike, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do. So, you know, you mentioned being with a startup and then transitioning into this energy impact space, sustainability. What drives you? What keeps you coming back every single day? As I mentioned at the top, you know, I was attracted to the startup that I joined around energy data analytics. Um, it was very disruptive. It was a better way of doing things. And as my my passion for sustainability has grown over the years, you know, one of the, if not the number one challenge we face as a society, it's, it's really the importance of that and then the complexity of trying to solve that um, through better means. And so 
you know, for me, uh, part of my role is to help try to clearly articulate that to our clients and, and show them, help our teams, work with our teams to show that, that client value um, and show them that there, there is a better, better way uh, by a whole um, set of different solutions, be it we talked about the data, so that sort of digital aspect to the strategy, to the actual process of how do you implement this at scale. So I think for me, the, the what what gets me up every day is the the problem we are trying to solve, and then the, the complexity of that problem, which at times can feel daunting for everyone, but also when you actually have those successes, uh, it's a big time reward and extremely fulfilling. So it's it's hard for me to envision. You know, I think about the first part of my career. Um, you know, the moving away from. Uh, from something that is not as purpose-driven as uh, what I'm able to do uh, every day. So you mentioned clients and successes. Obviously, without mentioning any client names, could you give us a story regarding a client that you'd helped recently? Uh, You know, one client um, that we're working with that I'm I'm really excited about that um, I think speaks to fundamentally what we are trying to do is, is GE Renewable Energy. So we started working with them last year uh, when they announced uh, a goal to become carbon neutral um, by the end of this year. And um, they have 300 sites all around the world. So think about the factories that actually make things like wind turbines to offices to warehouses. And uh, we are helping them by looking at all of those sites and understanding where are those energy efficiency opportunities, where are those renewable opportunities. And so, um, you know, we're, we're progressing with them on this journey and learning a lot. Um, and so that's, that's one that I'm, I'm excited about. That's interesting. So you mentioned carbon neutral by the end of this year. And just to clarify, what exactly does carbon neutral mean? Uh, that is a great question that um, a lot of the sustainability experts within my company um, have, have a lot of discussion around. But uh, essentially, it is in some form or fashion balancing the emissions that you put out into the atmosphere um, and those that you that you reduce. And there's a whole variety of ways to do that. Um, carbon credits energy efficiency and, and things of that, you know, and then obviously renewables uh, as a way to reduce your, your carbon footprint and get to a, a neutral standpoint. Interestingly, what we've seen recently um, from some of the most leading edge companies, uh, corporations like Microsoft and Ikea is uh, at the term carbon negative or carbon positive and fundamentally they mean the same thing. It's just a different <laughs> um, spin on the same term. And that is actually taking out of uh, the atmosphere um, more than you were putting into it. So that's an interesting new trend on carbon targets. And I asked for that very reason, because I know there's a almost like a fuzzy gray area where there's a lot of debate right now what carbon neutral means. So I really appreciate you trying to clarify that. So, any particular favorite projects that Angie works on that you really like? 
So another one more broadly speaking um, beyond just NG impact is uh, work that NG North America is doing in North America with universities like Ohio State and Iowa, uh, University of Iowa. And you know, think of those campuses, they are like small cities. So Ohio State, hundreds of, I believe something like 400,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, essentially what NG is doing is they have taken over all of the operations uh, around their energy plants and, and sustainability goals over a 50 year time horizon. Um, and so this is an extremely long-term engagement um, and relationship with Ohio State to drive towards their energy and, and carbon reduction goals um, and really embedding all of the expertise that NG can bring to bear uh, over the course of those 50 years. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty innovative approach uh, whereby NG essentially takes ownership uh, of those assets and is responsible uh, for their performance um, and a very shared alignment in terms of trying to reduce uh, the, the cost, the usage, and, and of course that footprint. That is really interesting. So if I'm understanding correctly, you're saying the deal includes NG taking over the assets and then essentially helping Ohio State meet their carbon goals. Is that correct? Absolutely. And as well as other sustainability goals. That is really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, being a CMO, what's a day in the life look like for a CMO at Angie Impact? Well, you know, we're trying to accomplish a number of things. Uh, we, we're, as I said, a global organization. So uh, we're thinking about how do we support our clients on a global basis, as well as what do clients in different regions need? What, how do the value propositions um, differ? So that, that's a big thing that I'm thinking about, as well as the link. Yeah, I talked, spoke about that uh, connection between our services, and so making sure that we're, we're articulating that. And then a big part of my job is also um, working with my team on things like our employee engagement, um, which is very critical right now for, for lots of companies um, thinking about uh, that aspect of uh, ensuring our people are still engaged so they can do the very important work that they need to do every day. So how big is your team right now? We have a marketing organization just under 30 people. And during this pandemic, I'm assuming everyone's distributed. How's that working for you? We've, we've had to quickly innovate. Uh, I'm fortunate that I have a highly motivated, energetic team with uh, that is constantly bringing great ideas. Um, so, you know, we, we've had to quickly pivot in terms of thinking about making sure we're doing uh, virtual meetings. Some of that is work-related and some of that is just plain fun. So I think that's important, uh, especially in this environment. And then... Um, you know, keeping it interesting, right? So we try to vary those, those those activities up because uh, we, you know, I think everybody's feeling the sense of uh, moving into a, you know, it, it can the days can start to bleed together. Together, I guess I'll say it that way. Um, and so making sure we we try to have those moments where 
we can inject something new, exciting, different. Um, and then just uh, you know, making sure we're, we're doing as much as we can to separate work from home. And that's, that's incredibly challenging. You know, you're so right. I've, been, I've heard it said a few times now that people feel like they're inefficient employees and inefficient parents and spouses because everything's kind of blurring together. There are no lines. So applause to you for trying to inject fun into it. If you were to you know, share some advice regarding fun, how can one inject fun into some of these meetings or events? That's a great question. Um, uh, there's been a bunch of things. You know, as I said, we tried to vary it. Uh, on our last call, we, uh, we shared our, our baby pictures, which was a lot of fun, and people were quite accurate with who they 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 guessing the the correct person. Uh, we we've, we've tried to uh, step out of our normal professional uh, attire, wear different gear, be it athletic gear or vacation type gear, um, showing showing different seniors. So it's um, from trips and things. And so we so we've definitely brought that personal aspect into it, and I think people have really enjoyed that. You know, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think one of the things I heard recently is that this time has allowed a lot of us to humanize each other. And what I mean by that is that we're getting to look inside, you know, our coworkers' homes, see family, see pets, see pictures, books, et cetera. And so a lot of times when an employee shows up to an office, you only get one dimension of that employee. But being on these calls has definitely opened up people's eyes to who they're working with. So I think a lot of what you just mentioned, you know, plays directly into that. Absolutely. So Mike, on this journey of yours, you know, with Angie, what are some of the things you'd say you've learned or aha surprise moments? Uh, it really, though, for me, I think it goes back to where I came into the industry. It was very much from a technology orientation and how can technology help us do things more efficiently, better. Um, but what I learned over time, especially in the energy and sustainability space, is technology is only one piece of the puzzle. Uh, and very often, it's, it's about people making things happen, um, contextualizing that information that they're seeing in the right way for a situation, and then actually being the the ones to do and make the change drive the results. So technology is never going to be a, a, a silver bullet. It's an important enabler. Um, I remember we did a, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, we called it a coast to coast sustainability tour where we went around the US uh, a couple of summers ago, uh, did a 10 day, 10 city, 9,000 mile tour work um, to see what was happening in terms of um, what different companies were doing from a, a sustainability perspective. And we spoke with, I think, close to about 100 companies and partners over those two weeks. And I was really struck over that period when, you know, we really asked people, what, what are the keys to your success? Overwhelming majority um, responded talking about their employees, talking about people. That was the first thing that came to mind. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, about necessarily the cost of solar dropping or energy efficiency adoption and things of that nature, which of course they, they did talk about, but 
Um, overwhelmingly, the thing that we heard was it was really about people driving the success. And then in some cases where, you know, companies are facing challenges, the question they were asking is how do we help transform our people to think more sustainably in the everyday uh, work and personal lives. To me, that sounds really beautiful. I think all too often, you know, perhaps to your point, we look at technology, as you mentioned, as a silver bullet or data. But I think those leaders that can really understand that ultimately it's the people, I think those are the ones that are going to have the sustainable corporations and sustainable organization, if you will, going forward. So that that really resonates strongly, and I appreciate you sharing that. So, Mike, last question for you is that if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? I, I think that it's really just about the fact that change is possible. Um, so if you can envision a new and better future, um, you can make it happen. But there is never one silver bullet. And, and think often disruptive change occurs when a number of different factors and actors come together at the right time and in the right place. But when they do, um, change can happen at a much more accelerated pace than we even predicted. So I, I just encourage uh, any of your listeners to keep that in mind, understand what it takes to make change, but know that it is possible and we need we certainly need change agents in this world to uh, solve some of our, our biggest challenges. Thank you so much for that, Mike, and I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything that we have not explored that you'd like to talk about before we go? No, I really appreciate the time and uh, it was great speaking with you as well. Thank you for your time today, Mike. Thank you for listening. And if you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to show your support, please share our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.